Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Forever Student Show. Today, we have on a friend of mine. His name is Simon Salter. He is the founder of Dirty, D-I-R-T-E-A. And they make the purest and most potent functional mushroom extract powders around, proven to improve your health, well-being, and lifestyle when consumed daily. Today, we're going to uncover all the different myths around mushrooms, why you should be consuming them, how you should be consuming them, and a lot, a lot more. So without further ado, here's Simon Salter. Enjoy the episode. Simon Salter, welcome to the Forever Students. Thank you very much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Just so everyone knows, Simon and I met, I want to say about three months ago in London for the first time through our mutual friend, Louis Blake, who's also been a guest on this episode. And um, Simon's story and his journey as an entrepreneur really inspired me. And I told him, I have to have you on. He said, anytime. And so here we are. Um, Simon, if you could start off by telling us a bit about where it all started, specifically pertaining to your journey in health and well-being, as well as mushrooms, which is going to be a big topic today. Yep. Um, I'm having the symbols right here, by the way. Oh, nice. (laughs) I got it from a dear friend recently. So I wear this proudly on my chest. Um, Probably better, yeah, probably to paddle back to the the boathouse because... um, the question is where and how was it was burnout um probably six years ago my brother and i were building another uh, business in the eyes of many it was successful um it was it was it acted like an incubator and a marketing arm to that incubator so my brother and i would partner with uh, interesting brands ideas entrepreneurs talents whoever they may be if we passionately believed in their vision uh, we would sit with them and either we invest, we invest our time and take equity within the company in its early stages, but we'd also give them the force of our marketing support. Um, as uh, we've always built everything we've understood based on storytelling. Um, maybe that's even going back. I didn't realize it still now. Actually, going back ancestrally to you know, they used to call the fireplace the hearth, where we used to sit around the fireplace and share stories. It's and that kind of proliferated into gossiping, which is which we're all good at as well. Um, so we were partnering with a lot of interesting kind of brands. And, uh, the one thing about my brother and I is that, um, we have our blinders on, you know, like the horses do when they're, they're focused. And as a result of which, as we were uh, working with these different, um, brands and startups, mostly in tech entertainment and hospitality, uh, we weren't really taking care of our body. Um, so as much as we were becoming the CEO of a company, we weren't becoming the CEO of our own body. And it's quite amazing to realize how much the body can take as stress is concerned. And it's very easy to ignore it and keep your foot on the pedal. That's one thing I've understood. Um, and, you know, that was to the point of, you know, sleep became secondary. I think my brother and I grew up learning from these old school entrepreneurs, like, you know, sleep when you're dead kind of thing, or just sleep is um, is a is a pleasure and something um you should use wisely and and the bandwidth should be very limited and um uh, which we took into consideration but what we didn't realize is the power of sleep and how that can positively affect your sunrise to sunset and as a result of which you know um the di- different chronic symptoms would present themselves to us you know we we're working so hard time became redundant um we would certainly experience a lot of anxiety would i i know that i would personally walk into a room and for no apparent reason my body would go into fight or flight and i'd experience panic attack well the reality is there was nothing in that room in that time that would mean that i'd have to go into that but my body was so disconnected uh diet was off was off i wasn't taking looking after myself all i cared about was the business not myself but how can business do well when you know your own health isn't doing well um so sleep was off um anxiety stress um physically always fatigue still still ignoring it but i, I mean Andy and i used to walk through <laughs> oxford street i used to have my cap down hood up because i just didn't like the way i looked i just wanted to go in stealth and but still working and, uh, and still not taking into consideration how important you know this and this is um it got to a point where me being older than my brother and you've seen my brother i mean he's he's very biblical looking yet he is younger than me um but from a certain angle he looks far more older than me um, but there you go and um it's interesting 
if you are going through these different symptoms, whatever they may be, if they're chronic and um, you're not getting the sleep or you're anxious about sleep or you're you're stressed in some capacity, then the easiest thing is to go to your family doctor or GP here in the UK. And the thing that they do, they have a, they have a very limited bandwidth of time. Um, so what they can offer is a sleeping pill or something conventional, something allopathic. Um, but my brother and I didn't want to do that because when you look at the side effects of it, the side effects are as bad as the reason why you're taking it in the first place. And when we grew up, we were never educated about the mind and the body, maybe in science, but not like spiritually and not about the importance of one's well-being. Uh, we were looking at different things. I mean, because the things we were, you know, to keep the body going, we were, you know, downing Red Bulls, six, seven coffees a day, sleep, like saying, was secondary, and it was having an impact on us. But uh, we were looking to alternative integrated approaches, such as acupuncture and meditation and breath work. Yeah, those modalities certainly did support in some capacity, but we were still experiencing the same angst. Um, it took, it took um, adversity for the mind and the body to be presented with this opportunity, and that was mushrooms. I fear the listeners now will be thinking there's a different power that I'm talking about to the one I'm about to present to you, and that was this. Um, we were introduced to a tea master six years ago. Uh, randomly in West London, there was a tea master and there's these tea ceremonies going on. And our friend said, just trust me, go to the ceremony, meet the tea master, present what's going on and let her help. Now, at this point, I'm older than my brother. So I'm thinking that I'm a success and failure. I can't even support my brother's well-being as my own. So I was like, I surrendered. I said, even if it took us open doors to this this psychedelic kind of visual distortion i'm there let's go i just want to be healed just want to be fixed so uh we met sat down in this very dim lit environment and um there she was this ethereal uh chinese tea master from the southern province of china sat with us and she presented in a bowl these different mushrooms and they weren't the fruity body or the cap of the mushroom they were powders um this is where our world starts to shift Every mushroom she presents to us was steeped heavily in different stories and even more so in a lot of uh, science and research, peer-reviewed studies based on the impact that these mushrooms have in the mind and the body. So the first mushroom she actually gave to us was reishi, which is, I don't know if you've had reishi before, but um, these are all functional mushrooms, by the way, uh, none of which have any psychoactive compounds, which is the classic psychedelics of psychedelic mushrooms. And she presented these mushrooms to us one by one. And the reishi mushroom, mushroom, which is also known as the kami mushroom or the queen of mushroom or the mushroom of elixir, the mushroom of long life. And uh, the reason being is thousands of years ago, the Tao dynasty, great leaders would um, consume this as a tea as it would calm the nervous system and allow them to make great decisions when going to war. And it was a hierarchical kind of mushroom that was handed to royalty because they would live longer. And that was merely because it was combined. It was, it was sorry, it had a cascade of minerals and, uh, and um, nutrition and uh, compounds within the mushroom that they could extract. And when they drank it, they it was like wearing an S on their chest. They felt perfectly fine. Um, and my brother and I would drink this in the, the ceremony and it would um, we had a visceral experience. You know, the four mushrooms we had. Uh, the other one was lion's mane, uh, which is also known today as a smart mushroom. Um, based on the fact that uh, when drinking it, um, there's a compound in there that can actually activate or stimulate the growth of new brain cells in hippo hippocampus. And um, another one we had, which was cordyceps, um, which uh, when consumed, um, up increases the uptake of oxygen into the body, into the muscles, um, also increases your um, your ATP. I know we spoke offline the fact that you're doing, uh, you're going Goggins and you're doing the ultra marathon. Uh, which I'm completely envious about. I've got, I've, I'm going to give you the Spanish Inquisition about that because I have some questions about it. Um, but it increases your ATP, which is almost these kind of battery pack um, molecules that fits onto your cells to improve your energy levels because we all need ATP to survive anyway. And as we grow older, they can reduce uh, slightly. So cordyceps remarkably improves your ATP count. Uh, and then the other one is uh, chaga, uh, which is more of a fungus than a mushroom because it, it grows on a birch tree um, and it takes up to between 725 years to proliferate. And um, when when it matures and grows, I mean, it has unbelievable uh, minerals within and compounds within the, the mushroom that supports our well-being, has the highest source of antioxidants compared to anything else that Mother Nature has to offer. 
Uh, so it's consistently regulating, improving your immune health. Certainly in a in a in a in a time when our immune health has been compromised by external kind of environments, uh, has an unbelievable amount of melanin there, uh, which is incredible for skin health. And the mushroom chaga produces creates it itself to protect itself from the external environment where it grows. So she was sharing all of this, and we were drinking it, and we were feeling incredible. Then you take into consideration that we actually share more in common with mushrooms or fungi than we do with, with plants. On a DNA sequencing level, we share up to around 54% DNA uh, with mushrooms, which blew our mind. So I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to half a mushroom, I guess, in some capacity. So we, there's this incredible symbiosis we share, not just in mushrooms, but obviously with na nature. But why is something so profound in its benefits that can show these benefits uh, being dismissed for so many years? Um, we left that ceremony with that visceral feeling, walking back to where we were in East London those years ago. And we walked from west to east, just trying to understand what we just experienced and why, why is it something like this never been presented to us before? Well, there's a misconception around mushrooms. And the way we looked at it was this, that, and this comes to the reason why the business exists today. And it was this, um, in the viewscape of a human life cycle, What's presented to our visual kind of called, um, of our visual bandwidth is, you know, flora and fauna, animal and plants. I mean, you see animals, you see them grow, you see them die, you see plants, you see trees, but you don't see fungi, you don't see the mushrooms. The mushrooms are hidden. And I think anything that's uh, powerful, unknown, is very easy to dismiss. So, for me growing up myself, I was always told not to touch a mushroom because it will kill you. Well, there are mushrooms that can kill you. Well, there's fruits that can kill you. There's plants that can kill you. There's a very small amount of mushrooms that can kill you. But it always has been given a, a misconception. I know some will take you on a spiritual journey. But the reality is there's over 5.1 million species of fungi. So for every fungi you come across, sorry, for every plant you come across, there's probably about six types of fungi. That's just to give you the grand scale of the fungi kingdom. It's its own uh, kingdom. And only recently, and I say recently in 1960s, uh, fungi was given its independence, its own family, because people were very confused. Is it, is it an animal? Is it a plant? They just didn't know. But now it has its own, its own family. And under that umbrella of 5.1 million species of mushrooms, and still there's more to kind of uh, seek out, um, a very small amount of them are mushrooms. And mushrooms uh, fruiting from um, a an unbelievable magical network that lives beyond beneath our feet called the mycelium, which pretty much connects all that um, that we see today from trees and plants. Uh, if you take mycelium out of the equation, we would uh, cease to exist as would everything else. So mycelium and fungi is a very powerful um, part to um, this symbiosis life that we live in rhythm with nature, which we've lost, I feel, over time. So um, for my brother and I, we started to drink these teas over the two to three weeks and we started to heal. We got our sleep back. Uh, we got our energy back both mentally and physically. We got, uh, we weren't really uh, succumbing to uh, the common colds or anything. It was almost having a superpower. Uh, and again, why, why something so um, hidden out of sight has been hidden out of sight. Um, so we started actually presenting these mushrooms to our friends on a Friday evening. They come over to our apartment and we replicate the, the ceremony that, the the lady or the tea master gave to us you know would it be this tribal music we had we were shrouding the the, the apartment with um with palo santo just to kind of uh create this kind of sacred kind of experience that people were going into and if, for those who don't know uh palo santo is a tree found in south america and if you break the bark of the tree and you smell it it's got this sweet essence and by burning it, it just proliferates that essence so it's a nice kind of experience and also it's something that does calm the nervous system down again this is uh from mother nature um so our friends come on a Friday. Now, they are also stressed kind of creatures. They are either chefs, CEOs, entrepreneurs, um, creators in some capacity, working nine to five on an assembly line, whatever it may be. The interesting thing is they come with a migraine. A couple of days later, they felt fine. Um, you know, some weren't sleeping well. Now they're sleeping well. Some, you know, it, it, there was this essence that people were feeling better. And it's interesting, at a time when there's uh, this planetary anxiety, as much as there's been this pandemic that we've all experienced, um, people um, are going through something. And it's amazing to think that could the mushrooms be the key, not the key to everything, because not to dismiss anything else, but could this be one of the most important pillars that has been dismissed? 
so my brother and I uh, decided to, um, we felt we had a responsibility and that responsibility was to bring these mushrooms to the mass. And that's how um, Dirty really started. Sorry, that was too long, wasn't it? Not at all. Not at all. I think it's um, it's firstly a beautiful story and secondly, so relevant to to the people that are listening um, and, and highly educational. And, and thank you for clarifying. I think a lot of the things that needed to be clarified about mushrooms just from the outset, I started myself drinking them with coffee, taking them as a supplement, um, putting powders in my smoothies and, and really just trying it out. Um, after reading a lot of the research, after seeing a few documentaries and, and speaking to people like Louis, who were like, listen, just give it a shot. And for me, in the beginning, I was super skeptical because first I'm like, is it, is it actually working or is it all just in my head? Um, but when I started specifically with lion's mane and lion's mane in the mornings and reishi in the evenings, um, like the effect was, was incredible. And, and I already, you know, I was on my caffeine in the mornings and I was doing my meditation in the evenings, but like both of these things just really one enhanced my focus and then two really helped me calm down in the evenings. And I think for a lot of people listening who have trouble, you know, switching off their mind or calming their body, getting ready for sleep, whatever it may be, um, mushrooms are incredibly, incredibly amazing tools. And, um, and I think, you know, what you guys are doing at Dirty, and, and I, I would actually like to touch on, uh, just because I know this, the quality of the mushrooms that you guys use. Um, could you maybe touch a bit on that, actually, and, and how that's different from, you know, you don't have to speak about your competition or anyone else out there, but like, how, how that differs from, from other types of supplements or mushrooms out there? Yeah, sure. Um... Well, it's it's all based on the extraction process and where the mushrooms are actually um, where they grow. Uh, most of these mushrooms that I've been speaking about grow in the northern hemisphere uh, in Asia, and they they basically um, uh, they present themselves when the conditions are right. And most of this could be damp um, conditions, uh, surrounded obviously by vegetation. Uh, most uh, mushrooms, like lion's mane, would have to grow off dead organic matter, like a log, uh, which is why when you're walking into a forest, keep your eyes peeled because you can, you know, it's amazing to see these mushrooms do appear, um, but very ephemeral. They only last about, you know, two or three days, and then they perish. It's all based on the extraction process. So we take the the mushrooms, and we we forage the mushrooms, and it's it's within the fruiting body of the mushrooms where all the beta glucans the polysaccharides and all the other minerals and nutrients uh, lie within the epicenter of that uh, of the fruiting body and that's uh, protected by a cell wall called the chitin and the chitin is so tough that it's impossible for a human being to digest uh, the chitin cell wall it's like um, a lobster shell so the process is, is basically hot water and um and alcohol so with hot water, it basically helps melt that chitin wall and extract all the compounds and minerals out of that. And then when we use alcohol, that gets more of um, the polysaccharides and beta-glucans out of that, which we need for obviously for immune support. Um, the alcohol, just to let you know, is very ethanol in the sense it doesn't last long. We use ethanol and it just disappears. So it's not within the product. That's just basically to get all the goodness out of the actual pruning body of the mushroom. It then goes through into a spray dried uh, process, uh, which is why when it goes from forest to cup, when it gets into cup, it's basically powder. And that spray dried process pretty much uh, activates the compounds. So um, there's a, a ratio on the basis of how one extracts it to get the potency and the concentration right. And the family that we partnered with in the southern province of China, in, a, in the village in Fujian, our sixth generation family of foragers. And seventy percent of the community that live within this community uh, live within this area are foragers. So it's the the center of mushroom cultivation. Um, so it's taken my brother and I quite a few years to going through all the different um, farm farming networks, both physically and digitally because of COVID we couldn't have traveled as well. Um, so that's the process, and then then uh, everything is packaged up and um, fulfilled here in the UK. 
um, if that answers your question. Totally. And and how how have you gone about the education process yourself? Like how obviously you had the session with you know uh, the team master. Uh, you started trying the products for yourself, so that's obviously the most important thing, like learning firsthand. But in terms of developing your education around mushrooms further, were there like specific resources that you tapped into? Yeah, um, there's a lot of um, great pillars and mycologists in the uh, industry who are the great educators. And the mycologist is basically someone who studies the biology of mushrooms. And um, they're the ones that are out in the field and researching into these mushrooms. There's probably about two to three decades of research um, that you can find on NCBI which is a wonderful platform for to find these peer review papers and also mushroomreference.com, which has a lot of these peer review papers as well. Uh, and mushroomreference.com was given um, because there were so many peer review papers that Larry Page just gave that um, domain name so people can filter which mushroom they were interested in and they can see the research on it. As truth be told, there's um, certainly in the, the functional mushroom space that we deal with with the mushrooms that are we sell today um there are a lot of research mostly in vitro and vitro kind of studies so both petri dish and also mice studies and because of the comparable because of similarity on the biological level with mice uh, there's a lot of studies there but there's not many human clinical studies there's a lot um, of uh, human experiences that are shared from the community which is undeniable um and i for me it was um the research, there's so many different books out there that have shared some of this um, this research. Um, I could share this. I don't know if I could maybe at the end of this, I could send some links. Um, but there are some amazing authors out there who basically take all the medicinal mushrooms and basically go through all the research. So uh, that's been an amazing kind of um, reference point for me. It's amazing to realize there are some extraordinary, um, not just um, research papers, but history. Like it dates back 2,000, 2,500 years ago, even back to Hippocrates, who's almost the godfather, the, the godfather of medicine, um, who spoke about uh, medicine, sorry, spoke about mushrooms, sorry, um, as an important medicine for the mind and the body. Um, but for my brother and I, the most important challenge going into this was the misconception. So when we talk about the benefits that people could basically benefit from, these are coming from research papers that we've studied ourselves. Um, speaking very openly, um, we've achieved so much attention so uh, socially. Uh, certainly our TikTok accounts, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's got so much attention. Uh, and I think we're at the moment probably the leading UK authority on, in the mushroom space because we only, we're, all our content is led by um, either human life experiences or different um, uh, research that we share from these different peer review papers and we're not selling the brand we're just selling the experience of these mushrooms and the facts about these mushrooms and then when people want to learn more they kind of they do find their way to dirty i think one of the most important things that i've understood is trust and transparency because there's a lot of people going through um a lot of these kind of unfortunate um uh experiences and would it be chronic symptoms that we're discussing before anxiety sleep and and there are different allopathic medicines that do exist and it's not saying not to use them but there are alternative integrated approaches such as medicine such as mushrooms as much as uh, meditation which he spoke briefly about before breath work and all these other ways that kind of help us get to that homeostasis which is that balance between uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic states and a mushroom like reishi which has an amazing compound uh, terpene, which um, almost instantaneously can calm the nervous system down. So if you're an anxious kind of um, person, or if you're finding it hard to calm the mind down, as many entrepreneurs or many people with unconventional thinkers, calming that um, overthinking part of the mind at night uh, can be quite hard. Something like a reishi uh, has been shown, uh, and through studies as well. There's some amazing research will show that um, that reishi can and will um improve your sleep cycle certainly deep sleep so um the research from my brother and i has been so important because we're presenting these mushrooms and the benefits that people can reap from and it all stems from uh, research and and historical um stories 
Yeah, and I think the authenticity that comes from that now as a as a brand, where one you're, you know, you and your brother are well educated in the space. Two is you're providing people with the tools to understand more about mushrooms and how they can use it. And I think some real issues that we face in in our society today as people are are what I see predominantly is is the ability to pay attention for a long time and the ability to deal with our anxiety. Those are two relatively new problems, I believe. Um, the attention piece, I think, as a result of social media, um, our ability to pay attention for a long time is decreased significantly. And our anxiety also as a result of social media and a lot of other things, uh, we're not really provided with any resources to deal with those effectively or easily, because it's it's easy for me to say, go and meditate five days a week for 20 minutes a day. Um, but for someone to actually do that and, and feel improvement um, won't come immediately. It'll come over time, but you need to be consistent like with anything else. Um, but I feel like with mushrooms, I'm having reishi right now. I'm, I'm drinking it as we speak because I feel like, you know, just a conversation like this, I get all hyped up before and I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's tone it down. And I can do three deep breaths and I can do whatever else, but having reishi is, um, is really, really incredible. One, one of the questions I, I had in mind was you and your brother, um, before you started Dirty and you had your other business, you were overworked, you weren't sleeping well enough, you had anxiety, you had panic attacks, etc. Now, mushrooms entered the picture and obviously help with improved sleep and focus and etc. But were there any other like underlying behaviors, right? Because being... I don't want to say a workaholic, but but being someone who can't stop thinking about anything else but work for you know eighteen hours a day, which a position that you were likely in at that time, did that change when you started dirty or like now with dirty as well? Because it's I feel the intention is completely different, right? Like this is a very purpose driven business that you feel passionate about and you and you feel the responsibility to share all the knowledge with you know anyone that interacts with it. So. Has sort of the the mindset shifted and and your let's call it work, I don't want I hate the word uh, work life balance uh, term but do you know sort of what I'm getting at very much so um, hey listen to to for me the one thing I've always wanted in life is to wake with a purpose so that's that's something that um, that's something that I feel so content about. Um, but one thing's important is I haven't really shared is that certainly um, mushrooms has supported our well-being. We've become more, as I said before, more the CEO of our body. Um, but what that's allowed us to do is crack the door open even more slightly to what the all other alternative integrated medicine and approaches that are out there that can consistently improve rather than just, you know, leaning on mushrooms. Um, yes, they've been remarkable for us but there are other preventional approaches one can take to to keep the body in that homeostasis i was uh, i was saying that calm state and most of everything i found is free so for example breath work uh one of our most powerful tools that we own is breath and if harnessed consciously you can shift the whole body chemistry and for me that was a very profound thing to understand and to know um so to answer your question it's it's unlocked other different approaches that i take now from sunrise to sunset um to ensure there's a consistent improvement of the mind and the body uh, and as a result of that i started something called the dirty tribe and the tribe is based on a is based on a community and the community exists because it's one thing i personally felt and feel that we have lost over the years um if you look at now forgive the rabbit hole here but if you look at uh, if you've come across the blue zones at all yeah so one thing that really um was a curveball in a good way was that in in all these different territories around the world where which is measured on the high concentration of centurions uh one place in particular i think was sardinia and you would automatically assume well they live longer because they're by the coast they're you know the vegetation they surround themselves with um the good food and the weather, everything. 
Um, but certainly there was one community, in fact, and they were obviously centurions and they're consistently smoking a pack a day. They've got a bottle of red wine that they drink every day. And, and the study was based on, well, what is it, how are they achieving such longevity if they're kind of um, infusing themselves with all this toxicity? And the reality was community, because I feel certainly as, you, as we grow older as in a generation, we become lonelier. And I also find that quite remarkable in a time that when we connect with more people in one day than our ancestors would have connected in a lifetime. Yet when we walk into any room, you everyone's a stranger and we feel alone. And I feel that sense of uh, loneliness is ubiquitous um, personally and from studies I was looking into. So when I built the tribe, the Dirty Tribe, I wanted to bring like-minded people together on the basis that, you know, they're all enjoying the teas, but what more can we do together as one? So um, 5.30, 6.30 in the morning, we meet at the Serpentine Lake. I think I was sharing this with you before. And uh, I bring a, a very dear friend of mine who's also our Dirty Breathmaster, uh, Jamie Clements. And we there's probably about... There's probably 400, I should say, in the tribe itself, but probably 50 who are active at the moment. And we meet 5.30, 6.30 in the morning. We sit in a circle or stand in a circle. We do breath work. We drink teas. And the reason we come to Serpentine Lake is, first of all, we are completely shrouded in nature because you're you're there with the dawn chorus. And that's such, such a nice way to wake up in the morning as the sun rises. And uh, the importance of seeing sunlight in the morning is so good. Um as part of the, bio, the biology of your 24-hour clock. Um, but we step into the Serpentine Lake, and it's between 0 and 8 degrees in there, sometimes 10 degrees if we're lucky, but that's still very cold. But to step into the unknown uh, and to step into fear with the idea of hope and to step into a situation where it's a good stressor, but as one, because we all go in there together, and no one's, no one's going because they want to be in there. They're doing it because they want to... Um, they want to give their body that good stress, that cold immersion, and that it's shrouded in so many um, benefits. But we do that together as one. It's such a nice feeling. And I, I choose that as an example because the moment we do come out, the first thing we do is we hug, we have more teas, we go to the, the cafe joint. And that sense of community is almost a lightning effect to the brain, a lightning effect to the, a, a good feeling, even in times when times are tough. And I can attest because this is a massive group of us. Everyone has the best fucking day. I'm sorry to swear. Everyone has the best day. And that's truly on the basis of doing something that is fearful, you know, stepping into fear and also based on community um, and obviously drinking the teas but it's and using breath work. These are different modalities which are free. So for me, the one thing I've understood is that you know, Dirty is building a community for those who want to improve them, the, the betterment of their well-being and be better than yesterday. And I think in, a, in, a, in a, a time when there's so many different entrepreneurs coming up with so many wonderful ideas, I think the most important thing to keep, keep the foot on the pedal steady is to ensure that they're surrounded by all the right modalities and tools that can consistently improve their mind and body so they can work to their optimum without stressing their body. And with being exposed to these oxidative stress, so for me, it's about building an army of 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 tools that you can step onto the front lines, bare chested, in hope that it's going to be a great day. And if there are challenges that try to challenge you or take you down, you still feel uh, present, mind and body, because you spoke about work, life, mind and body. Even though you didn't like the uh, the saying, uh, that's the way I see it. No, I love that. And you know what? I mean, some of the tools that you've now mentioned. The cold, we've spoken that quite uh, quite a bit on the podcast already, uh, cold exposure, uh, sunlight in the morning. Obviously, the majority of the people listening, you're you're either in the UAE or you're in Saudi or somewhere in the Middle East, and uh, we're blessed to have sunlight in the morning. But having, you know, the first light being daylight versus screen light is is extremely important. And then I think the community aspect of it is not discussed enough because doing things that are uncomfortable, like jumping in a cold shower or in an ice bath or in a cold lake, doing that with other people is, um, is an experience in and of itself. And especially if you're doing it first thing in the morning, then 100% you're going to have an incredible day. Um, why do you think that community is becoming, in my opinion, or what I'm seeing specifically around me, it's becoming rare or, or less common for, for us to hang out with people um, that are like-minded 
and and organize something because effectively what you're doing is you're organizing something that's that's free, right? Like you're 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 jumping into a lake together and, and you have one person leading breathwork. Like it's not something that's going to cost uh, thousands of dollars a month. Why why do you think what do you think is stopping people from organizing this for themselves? So I think the idea of the digital community that exists is uh, formidable and um, we live off the dopamine and notifications and uh, and the idea of being acknowledged. I think the essence of physical touch in community um, has been lost and I think COVID had a big part to play in that. Um, and interestingly enough, if you look at the statistics and I haven't got them on me and I, and I wish I had the statistics based on what you just said, is that more people lost their lives or induced more mental imbalances and illnesses because of this essence of being imprisoned and not having the creative expression um, and decision to uh, walk outside or go and see their, their neighbor because of the fear that was penetrated on the basis of, of COVID. And I think um, media mainstream had a pivotal role to play on that. It was all based on fear. I, I think that's one major um, part to the, the success and failure in community. I think community people understand how important it is. I think this year, the festival season, certainly here in the UK and abroad, um, there's been a, a massive influx of people getting together and a celebration. Uh, we live off of community. And I think more and more people understand that. And I think uh, great institutions and um, and even festival experiences like Burning Man was built on is built on community. You can't go to Burning Man without a community, everyone being um, responsible for the water, bringing transportation, bringing food. Bring, um, the one thing I love about community, as rare as it may be in some capacity, is that everyone plays a responsibility for each other. And actually take into consideration um, the community that we've been building at Dirty, for example, no one really knows each other. Um, but to know that you're not alone is important as well. I think it's the, one of the greatest medicines to have that kind of connection with others. Um, so I think certainly social media has um, distanced ourselves from community because we can build communities online. Uh, but there's nothing more powerful, in my opinion, than being sitting uh, with others. I think it's a medicine. Um, um, and I think that um, more and more, I mean, the more and more people understand that community is important. And there's a great journalist, and his his oh, his name is has gone from me. He's um, he served in the Vietnam War, became a journalist. Then he I, I saw him on Joe Rogan. He built he created a book called Tribe, and Tribe was the essence of how powerful community is, and how powerful community is in in a state of adversity that even when we're strangers we're all on the same pursuit to kind of live a good life and in adversity we won't want to survive and the survival comes by building that community i think the maximum was 150 in a community um i'll have to send you the name oh, that's so annoying he's such a great um journalist as well but yeah that's my thing and that's why i believe the success of dirty is based on the community that we we're building um and the community is built on trust as well and i think today when you're building when one builds a business and this is based on opinion that has to be built on trust because in most places some e-commerce business even like ours is based on a quick transaction um but what makes someone decide upon to buy something is based on the transparency and the trust of that person so that's why my brother and i are very much in front uh, of the camera basically our personal story kind of resonates to i feel a generation who are, who are yearning uh, to be healed in some capacity. Totally. Just, I think one really good point you just made on community is that everyone plays a role. And I think once you understand that, you feel empowered. And I think once you feel empowered, you start feeling that you're making a difference in not just your own life, but also in the lives of others. And if you have that feeling, um, it's one of the best feelings in the world. And I think that that's why, you know, being part of, a community, whether that is five people, whether that's 150 people. Actually, it's interestingly enough, the uh, one thing my brother and I went through was the power of reduction, the simplification of life in the sense of who you kind of surround yourselves with, because those you surround yourselves with, we believed, is, is a reflection to 
our journey and what we want to achieve. Um, and that's been a very pivotal part. Some people who have kind of gone by the wayside are those who uh, were not having the best impact on, on our lives. And that's also another important part, I think, uh, to play. So, um, and um, also I, I wanted to mention, because I know we probably won't bring this up, but um, the reason that I, we did the, the reason we do the Serpentine Lake in the morning is also based on a mantra that I once learned. Do easy things for a hard life and do hard things for an easy life. And someone said that to me and it was the most simple words, but it resonated so deeply. And it's those words that have helped me kind of um, achieve what I want to achieve to this date on the basis of both business and for personal well-being. I love that. You mentioned that some people might have fallen out of your life as a result of not fitting with I'm going to call it the new you. Um, that is not always an easy decision to make. How did you, how did you and your brother both, how did you go about it? Did it happen naturally? Did you have conversation with certain friends that you were like, hey, this is really not working? How, how, what was that journey like? They, they all organically have literally, organically have left in some capacity because our lifestyle is very very different to theirs uh where maybe some of the relationships we had was about you know meeting at a bar every night or you know swing off the chandelier having a tequila uh in in a in a bar like the people that are very hedonistic drinking from the devil's chalice as i call it uh, they've kind of they've gone everyone that sits within our our our, our life uh, whether we said our entrepreneurs they're they're those who know how important their well-being is uh, and it it's just it's chalk and cheese it's just that the polarity is so distinctively that they just they just disappear they really just disappear i've never ever really had a conversation saying hey man can't can't hang anymore you know for me i don't really i don't drink in the last kind of uh maybe six seven months i may have a tequila or a, a nice mezcal, but I, I really don't drink. I, I, someone once told me, he said, um, to get drunk is is like borrowing happiness from tomorrow. And the truth be told, I love the mornings too much that I wouldn't wouldn't want to do it for that moment. And to be on someone else's kind of journey on getting drunk, being steamed. And, and again, it's about the mind and the body as well. Yeah. No, I agree. I totally agree. I um I also feel like just from a mental clarity standpoint, from a sleep quality standpoint, the way that you are in your relationships, uh, there's so many aspects that get impacted by by alcohol consumption that I've also sort of written it off um, with the odd exception, like a birthday or New Year's or what it may be. But outside of that, um, yeah, life is just so much better without it. So I've also just... Yeah, life is just so much better without it. So I've well, also... And, just, and also for you, I mean, you're you're training an ultramarathon. I mean, you one has to kind of dispel of some of maybe the pleasures in life, especially on the weekends, because those are usually the days where you do your longest training sessions, right? And they're usually quite early in the morning. So having a few beers the night before is just absolutely not an option. And and it's one of the reasons that I decided to do the hundred k is because I was like, I have to become a different person to finish this race than I am now. Um, there's certain disciplines that you need to let in. Um, there's certain sacrifices that you need to make. And those are small sacrifices like, you know, like sugar and alcohol. And there's and there's bigger sacrifices like temporarily putting certain relationships on hold or not meeting people as frequently or whatever it may be. Um, but it's like, you know, the hard things, that's what it is, right? Makes life, it makes life better. So I'm totally aligned with you on that as well. Are you are you running um can you just give me an idea of what your protocol is like from uh, diet, what you eat, what you consume, how many miles that you run a day? Um, what's the approach? So, so I'm currently I'm currently running three four times a week, uh, and then three four gym sessions a week, and then a few mobility sessions in there as well. Um, the distances are not quite that long yet because I still have another six seven months of training. So what starts happening over time? is the weight sessions will decrease and then the runs and the distances will increase. Um, the longest run I'll run before the 100 is 50K. So 
So you're not necessarily running a super long distance. You're running half of it, but it's all about volume, right? So it's all about like, let's say you do, you do three runs of 25 kilometers um, per week. You, you'll get to the 7,500 per week uh, mark. So, so that's what's really, really important. In terms of food, I, yeah, I consume about 3,000 calories a day, um, roughly 3,000, 3,000, 3,200 a day. So, so I'll burn, I'll burn quite a bit, um, a lot of protein, a lot of vegetables and fiber, um, quite a few carbs as well. When you say carbs though, like are these dark leafy greens, dark fruit, let's say fruits, or are they just heavy carbs? They're also potatoes and pasta, hundred percent. I also for, you know, I think it's a very individual, uh, personalized approach. You need to know what works for you and what sits well with your body. Like with me, I've been eating pasta, you know, several times a week since I was a kid and it just sits extremely well for other people. One, it might not sit well to, you know, you might gain weight or whatever it is for me. I'm, I'm fortunate that that's not the case. Um, but then also in terms of hydration, I mean, I drink, you know, five liters of water a day, supplement it with, you know, Himalayan salt and, uh, and potassium and magnesium and get my mushrooms in, um, as well. So there's, there's so many things that go into this. And I think that's the big thing that people need to understand is that when you train for a run and it doesn't matter what distance it is, everything needs to fall in line, right? Like your sleep needs to be optimized. Your nutrition needs to be optimized, your recovery, uh, your mental state. Um, and then almost lastly is running. Like the running part is the easy part. The, the hard part is getting everything else in line and then pushing through mentally. Like everyone I've spoken to that's run 100K or more is like, it's not like once you get to kilometer 80, it has nothing to do with physical, like physically you're ready. It has to now do with, can you sustain for another, you know, after 10 hours, can you run another three hours and, and push through? It has nothing to do with your physical state anymore. I wonder if um, based on that um, position, going beyond the threshold of what the body mentally and physically feels it can do, how you can actually pivot that into business as well. Because um, that's a great challenge as well, like going beyond the threshold. Yeah. And I've already seen a lot of overlap between training and, I don't want to say life, but business. Just in terms of, like, there's very, there's, there's little things, like making the most out of your time, um, saying it how it is, being transparent, just doing what you say you're going to do, not postponing something until the next day, um, pushing through mentally when things get a little bit tough, understanding when you need to rest and take a step back. Like these are all things that are, that are not necessarily specific to, to running. They're applicable to everything in life, right? So there's a lot of overlap. And that's why I said the person that's going to finish the race in March is not going to be me sitting in front of you right now. It's going to be a different person because all these things, the goal is to get better at. But I think you know this. I, I had an operation uh, on my ACL. I think it's before I met you. Yeah, so it's only about two months in. Um, like I said, sometimes I, I, it takes adversity to shape the consciousness of more, what's important about the mind and the body. And certainly in a time when you have an evasive operation like I did. Um, but one thing I chose to do was not to kind of lean into anything conventional or allopathic, you know. So uh, doctors here certainly willy-nilly give you opioids or certain kind of drugs which are pleasurable for many when they take it but the problem is um is and my mindset was based on this because of uh, my my training up until having the operation is that i wanted the speedy recovery um and the interesting thing is when you think about these conventional medicines they which is why mushrooms i believe is also important is the fact that it's someone used the analogy like a smoke alarm like taking to that coding that was given to me is like switching this the smoke alarm off but the reality is the flame is still there and it's still roaring like a wildfire um and that i believe is the same with a lot of these kind of uh, conventional medicine where it's not really curing it's just numbing it so you can actually deal with it but my my decision was well no i'm I didn't want to do that because then like the side effects of what um, these opioids could do. And there's there's an addictive part to it. So the idea is, can you sit with the pain? Um, Can you become a spectator to the pain? And 
Um, I use that analogy for that example for when I did my first marathon. The pain I went through was excruciating, but the idea is to become a spectator to it and still go beyond the threshold. So I wonder if I took any of those kind of teachings from then and to when I had my um, the post my post op because I didn't take any opioids. I just uh, did a lot of meditation through visualization. It's quite fascinating to understand um, where the studies will show that you can almost influence your brain chemistry to start to proliferate more T cells and white cells to go to the issue of the pain and fix it because it believes you're running. Um, and I would you basically lean into a lot of um, integrated medicine, certainly with mushrooms, but also other, um, other, if you look at the traditional Chinese medicine, there's like three layers. You've got the mediocre, medium, and the superior. And under that umbrella, you'll find mushrooms like the reishi, for example, but you'll find other kind of Ayurvedic kind of herbs, for example, like curcumin and turmeric and ginger, like using all of that, like the way it reduces inflammation and expedites your recovery. So, for example, week and a half, I was off crutches. When in fairness, I should have been on for like two months um, or seven weeks for some. Um, and it just goes to show that whatever the, the challenge may be, challenge the norm as an opinion, challenge the norm and look at other alternative integrated approaches, certainly as well-being is concerned, uh, and don't always lean into <laughs> certainly what the doctor offers because their bandwidth is very limited. Their bandwidth and knowledge, and and it really comes from, like I think it even goes back to the 1940s, 1950s of a textbook that relates to your GP or family doctor, what they can offer. And it's almost, I believe, line certainly with the big pharma kind of mantra of uh, lining their pockets in some capacity and so it's sorry to speak out of term because there's a lot of challenges of what i just said then but i i do believe in the alternative integrated approaches that could support the mind and body um, and certainly for what you're going through it sounds incredibly like that on the integrated approaches on using different things that's consistently optimizing the mind and body um that was my 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 thoughts on that what you were saying i i think that's 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 a very well said and i think just going against the norm the way i see that is we we can't pretend that the west knows it all right like there's so much history in south america there's so much history in the east um that hasn't quite made it into big pharma and i'm not sure will simply because of it's if it, because of how effective it is um but things like curcumin and and uh and ginger i use every single day and it's been it's it's almost part of my daily routine so whether it's um fixing anything or not i mean i, I certainly believe it is but that's been very very efficient i wanted to ask you because what you were speaking about now the visualization piece on effectively healing an injury is something I heard Dr. Joe Dispenza talk about a lot. Um, how did you go about that? Because one of the things that I've realized is whenever I have an injury, I would try to go through that process. And I'm a pretty avid meditator. I just wouldn't be able to keep my mind there because he goes into the detail of like, you know, imagine it getting fixed envision it getting fixed however you do that imagination and that exercise how did you do it so there's there's uh, one book i would certainly recommend uh, for, for you but also for, certainly for your, your listeners it's by andrew will who is one of the pioneers behind integrated medicine and i know he's given a couple of talks in the middle east in qatar and other places based on the unfortunate uh, diet circumstances and the high sugar levels and the wrong food that's been eaten there and the importance of go back to different integrated approaches that can support the mind and body, like you spoke about uh, having maybe ginseng, curcumin, turmeric, all these other things are adding into the diets and so forth. But one thing he spoke about in his book, Spontaneous Healing, is this incredible approach with visualization. And you can look into the science of it. And I don't, Joe Dispenza is a wonderful human being. I believe he's beyond a human being based on the way that he understands about the mind and body and energy. Is that he's done all he's done so many studies into it to prove this beyond the placebo. And we shouldn't, I don't think, dismiss the placebo in any capacity at all. I think it's played a pivotal role, certainly in my healing uh, alongside mushrooms. Um, and also placebo for what you're doing as well and for what anyone else is going through. If you can if you can influence the mind and body to feel better, 
um, then then do it and, and and don't dismiss it as swayed as science or, or or a charlatan approach. There are studies and you can see online. Joe Dispenza is a wonderful kind of reference point. Um, Andrew Will um, is one of my favorite men in, in integrated medicine. He looks like Santa Claus, so it makes me a bit more kind of uh, content to kind of listen to a man like that. But um, if you read his book, it will just simplify the idea about how you can go through the idea. Whatever, or his book is based on all these different symptoms people are getting through them, uh, whether it be arthritis, cancer, uh, different diseases, all of which are reversible. But because they've been presented with these conventional approaches, it just amplifies and worsens the position they're in. So the visualization thing, he describes it very simply on the basis of the imagination and that imagination becomes so powerful. Now, I have to be honest, I do I do meditate. It takes me some time. I started adopting this approach, um, which is something I learned uh, from these, there's these different tribes, certainly in South America and Brazil and Peru. Um, and you may know about it, it's called a repe. So let me tell you. So it's a smokeless experience. And uh, I'm incredibly content about my well-being. So this is all, first of all, incredibly legal. I could step into the territories of the Middle East. I'm sure it'll be totally fine, but just going anywhere in the world would be fine. Um, there are different tobaccos. One I use an example is called Mapacho. And it's basically burnt to an ash. And then the tribes will uh, take different foliages of trees and plants and barks of a tree, and they'll infuse it together, burnt to an ash again. And they use, I don't know with me, but they use a device called a croupier or a tepe. And the croupier is like a, a wooden device and it has a small part and a, a long part. Now, what you do is you put in the long part, you put this, the smokeless tobacco in there. You then set your intentions. Now, this has been used with, for many, many years, hundreds of thousands of years, where tribes, uh, one of the tribes, which the Hiwana tribe and the Kuni tribe, they would sit around in a circle and they'd either be administered or they're self-administered. And the idea is you set your intentions on the third eye and the heart, and then you take a deep breath and you just blow. And it sends a socket punches through the sinus and through the whole body, the sense of total and utter presence for like five, 10 minutes. Uh, it's a very cathartic experience and, and one that my brother rightly defined as hacking the presence. I'd use this approach sometimes when I was going to visualization. So I would do that. And because it's such a sacred experience, one should take into consideration, certainly in South America, the plant, the tobacco is a sacred plant, as high as a plant like ayahuasca and others. And certainly if you take them here and you see how it's been uh, uh, disseminated through the tobacco and through the lifestyle and so forth, it was a very different way that it's, um, it's looked after and cared for as a ritualistic kind of approach uh, there. And it's only a five, 10 minute experience, but it's used to calm the nervous system down. Um, people say it improves in, in it gets rid of insomnia and other kind of headaches and nauseousness and so forth. There's a lot of kind of uh, benefits from other anecdotal kind of um, opinions and stories. But the I use it because I used it, sorry, to go through the visualization because it put me straight into that meditative state where, as Ramdas would say, to quiet the mind and open the heart. And it's a, it's a lovely experience of doing that. And then you just go into the visualization. And my thing was just visualizing me running the marathon, which I want to do next year, or running along a beach, or just seeing, feeling the whole kind of thing. And then I can only attest it to that and um, the other kind of approaches of using of diet, which was a clean diet, a fasting 12 to 21 hours a day, uh, just completely toxifying the body. But the visualization was something that has been profoundly, um, I, I feel incredibly profound by the experience of doing it there. Amazing. I, I, I think after we finish up here, I'm going to get a few links from you because I feel like you've shared uh, quite a few nuggets of wisdom here that, that I'm sure uh, people can start reading into a bit more. I, I wanted to go back to mushrooms with, with a few particular questions. Uh, they might be a bit technical or um, or a bit complicated, but when you look at the different types of mushrooms that you've already mentioned, is it for everyone? Like, is there something that people need to know about themselves before trying a product like Dirty or a particular mushroom that you guys offer? Um, yeah, I mean, there's Candia, which is a fungal bacteria that is a, uh, that people can get from certain. Uh, mushrooms. I don't know too enough about it, but 
only that I've been presented with that from different customers. So I'd always say the, the naturopath, the nutritionist. Um, but in most capacities, these mushrooms have no side effects at all. Um, many, I mean, I know many stories, you know, you can give it to your child. Um, the most important thing is all about age. But I, I only say that because when the child is growing and get all the, nutri the nutrients and the minerals from the breast of the milk of the mother and the environment they're in. It's, it's about them getting used to that environment. The idea of the mushrooms just amplifies those kind of minerals and nutrients, and, and many of which will be deficient in. You know, mushrooms are the only non-animal species that secrete vitamin D when exposed to sun. So that's another part that's important to take into consideration. When you live in the UK uh, and the sun is, in, is, is rare, uh, vitamin D is, an, is also an important uh, to have and it's a it's a mineral that's deficient in most most cases so um, even for children it's fine but you determine that on the basis of the environment they grow up and what they need and what they're going through and so forth again i would always recommend speaking to their doctor or their naturopath i'd say the latter rather than the former because the doctors don't really know too much about these mushrooms uh, and they probably resonate to the same fear that mushrooms have had for so many years um apart from the yeast effect infections i was describing before um We'd also say with pregnant women, I mean, it, in my opinion, it's fine. There are, the, there are some very rare cases that it can um, affect the blood flow uh, in pregnancy, but that's incredibly rare. But we, I talk about it because it's, it, there, are, there are some uh, studies that have shown that. But then there's a lot of our customers drink mushrooms in pregnancy. There's, there's mushroom circles with chaga. Um, so... Um, I would always suggest if there's any concern in any capacity at all is either a strike the keys and do some, some research and speak to your naturopath. But um, there are no, there's no sedatives to it and there's no um, caffeine or anything, any stimulants to these mushrooms, which is why you can take them any time of the day or add them into anything you like. You don't have to have it pure. You can add it to a smoothie. I mean, we have a, a mushroom coffee we've released, which is doing really well on dirty cacao, which is a nice warm hug before bed, uh, which adds reishi to the cacao. Um, but yeah, I would always suggest doing the research, but it's rare uh, for such side effects to be um, presented to us. Yeah. And is there is there also a benefit or a downside of of mixing different mushrooms? Like is there if you're if you're mixing reishi and, and cordyceps, is there, you know, maybe a downside to to that? No, they don't counter each other. They they complement each other. So, you know, there's you can create your own elixirs. Um there's some studies that will show that cordyceps is actually really good before bed. So it's not a stimulant at all, which is also important to note. And it's probably a study I should put out on our site and all that, but I didn't. It's in the entry level. We don't want to confuse too many people. Mm -hmm. So the simplification of the mushrooms representing the time of the day and when you want to use it. So the way we went about it, and as you can probably see with the tins, uh, we've done them. The color palettes is from sunrise to sunset. The way that we took it. Um, but no, there's there's a lot of mushroom elixirs that you can do, and you're you know you're still getting the active compounds. I remember having chaga before. I used to go to bed a few times and I just had the most intense dreams, would wake up in the morning and would have like a 99% recovery on my whoop every single time. Yeah, like it would improve my sleep quality so immensely. Um, it was just the dreams were, were so vivid. I was like, yeah, very, very lucid, 100%. I, last night, very openly, I, uh, it took me ages to go to bed. So I went to go and get a, uh, have a reishi. That's because I was thinking about a lot of things that we're doing here in the business. And I realized there's a lot of things I hadn't done, which uh, I actually have to go and do very shortly. But um, um, every time I have reishi, my, my dreams are very uh, clear. If I mix it with lion's mane, lion's mane will show that um, there's a study I got up as well, which is about vivid dreaming with lion's mane. Um, so any time of the day, mix them, put them in anything you want. We just want you to have the mushrooms. However you want to consume it, consume it. So before we close, I just wanted to ask, where can people find out more about Dirty? And where can people find more out about yourself? So um, I'm, I, I'd now actually focus people's attention on certainly TikTok, which is Dirty World, D-I-R-T-E-A and World. Um, and all that's the same um, for Instagram, Dirty World. I say TikTok because a lot of our content on there is is all educational. and we get anything between 40,000 to 3 million views based on uh, the content we put out on that. So it's a good place to start for education and, um, 
and it pretty much opens up a vast amount of uh, knowledge into the world of fungi. Um, and then dirtyworld.com, D-I-R-T-E-A, uh, world.com. Uh, those are the three platforms. We're on Twitter as well. Um, and then myself, uh, a shameless plug, Mr. Simon Salter <laughs> is my Instagram. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's all I can share based on our heartbeat in uh, the digital world. Fantastic. Yeah. And everyone, you know, go check out the website. Uh, go check out specifically TikTok first, I think, and like absorb that content. Uh, see if mushrooms are for you. I always highly suggest you try it out. And uh, and if you're in the UE, if you're in Saudi, if you're in Europe, they uh, they deliver everywhere. So definitely have a look at that. Simon, any closing words? Um, no, I just know it's a privilege. Any platform, whether it be digitally, physically, I get the opportunity to sit with uh, great minds like yourself is a privilege, merely because of the responsibility that my brother and I feel we carry to bring these mushrooms to the mass. So I'm very content that you gave me this platform. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Simon. 